celebrating the songs of Christmas. And because it's Christmas time and there's some things that happen, some songs that happen after Jesus comes. After Jesus comes that help us understand the story of who God is continually and forevermore. So I had this thought. We have the kids in here with us this morning and just in an effort to like not be awful and boring because I'm I am the kids pastor right like how many kids or how many adults have a favorite song that they'd be willing to shout out like who has a favorite song Gracie you have a favorite song no you don't like what a favorite Christmas song you like hearing happy birthday sung to you on on your on your birthday that's one of my favorite songs anybody else have any favorite songs they're like yeah what child is this? Silent Night. Jen? Ho- the Hallelujah Chorus. Oh yeah, Handel's Messiah. So good. Zach, hit me. Jingle Bells. Oh yeah, the best Thanksgiving song of all time. The First Noel. Oh, Feliz Navidad and Mary Did You Know? Yeah. 12 Days of Christmas. Totally. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, man, there's so many good Christmas songs. And we've been talking about, oh, you got one now, Grace? What do you got? Noel. Oh, yeah, we like singing the first Noel because then we point to your sister, huh? Yeah. What's your favorite, L? What is it? Jingle Bells. Yeah, so good. And I, I love Christmas songs, but I just love singing. Uh, there's this uh, thing that happens in my house where sometimes we'll just be doing something random and we'll start singing songs. And these songs actually aren't real songs. They're songs that we make up in the moment. You know, they're songs like, like you know, if you were a musician, you'd call it riffing. If you were a rapper, you'd call it freestyling. Uh, but for us, it was, they're, they're these songs that just kind of narrate our lives. So, you know, like we're sitting here, and, and, and we, I would just sing and be silly. And so I, I had one of these songs that I used to sing to Joshua when he was a little baby. And it was, oh, Joshua tree, oh, Joshua tree. And I won't get into the rest of the details because usually I was changing his diaper and trying to keep him entertained. And I don't know if that's really uh, church appropriate Christmas, you know, Christmas songs. But songs, songs speak to our souls. Songs speak to how we think about life. And, and sometimes they, they're a playlist and a narrative that follows our lives. And, and we like different songs at different times or songs that are meaningful to us throughout time. And uh, for, for my family, for my wife and I, Blessed Be Your Name is one of those songs that like kept coming up throughout our story and our journey together. And we, we had it at our wedding. And man, like songs just speak to our souls. Songs are a huge part of how we get to know what God has for us. And we've talked about, about Mary's song, about how she like proclaims who Jesus is and like the blessing of what it is to be the mother of Jesus. And we have Zachariah's song that we heard about on Christmas Eve. We talked about the angels' song where they proclaim over Jesus who he is for the shepherds to hear. And today, we're going to be hearing about the song of Simeon. Can you guys say Simeon? Simeon. Simeon. It's not cinnamon. 
It's not cinnamon. That's very festive, though. If you want to say cinnamon, I, I could totally understand. That goes well in the eggnog or the spice cider that, that we just love at Christmas time. But this is the song of Simeon. And as you're reading this passage, you might not get that it's a song. You, you might think, oh yeah, it's just something that he says over Jesus. But uh, one of the, the kind of traditional ways of understanding this, as we, we'll get into it, is that Simeon is actually prophesying and proclaiming. And, and as part of that, there's, there's often a way that's very sing-songy to how he's, he's creating and making up this song but it's not just made up. It's, it's actually rooted in truth and some cool stuff. So if you'd like to turn with us in your Bibles, we're going to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22 this morning. Or you're more than welcome to follow along with us on the screen. And kids, um, I have a special job for you guys, all right? I want you, as we're talking about this, to to think like there's something that happens in this passage that you're like, hmm, that might relate to a Christmas song that you've heard before. So think about that as we, as we read this part. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or young pigeons is offered. Okay, how many has ever heard two turtle doves and two turtle doves, right? Here it is, right there. Two doves, two doves. They give to, to the temple. Now, you might go, if you read this passage, you might say, oh yeah, they bring Jesus and they have to offer this offering of two doves for the firstborn son. And you would be wrong. The law actually doesn't say that they have to offer two doves for the firstborn son. It says they have to offer five shekels of silver. Five shekels of silver. And so when they bring the child, the infant child, the, there's this celebration um, in Judaism called Pijon Haben, which means the redemption of the son or the firstborn son. Pijon, redemption. Ha, the, ben, son. Redemption of the son. And they, it's, a, it's a Jewish tradition where between about 30 and 60 days after the child is born, they present the child to a priest and they offer an offering. And they offer the offering because they, the firstborn is always dedicated to the Lord. Which means that Joshua, where's my son at? All right. Oh, he's hiding. All right. So Joshua, when my son was born, um, I, I'm, I don't want to embarrass him too much. When my son was born, uh, in the Jewish tradition, I would have been required to bring him to the priest to offer him to the temple. Now, we know that the Levites were the ones designated to be consecrated for all time to serve in the temple. But they serve on behalf of the firstborn of Israel. They serve on behalf of those children who were brought. And so as homage to those priests who are serving on behalf of the firstborn, you bring a gift. A gift to say thank you. And then the priest allows you, your son, your child, to remain with you and not to be 
become a ward of the temple. But Jesus, Jesus is brought before the priest. He's brought before the priest, and they don't offer the tithe. You know why? Because Jesus is given to the church forever. Jesus is given. He's not, he's not removed of his duties to the, ser- to the service of the church. He's actually given as a child, given to the church forever and ever. And the pair of doves that's given is for Mary's cleansing as his mother. It was a purification rite for the mother to offer two turtle doves. So you have Jesus in this story being brought to the temple, being consecrated to the Lord and given to the Lord forever. And we see that he does God's work forever and ever and ever. Jesus is not redeemed of his role in the church. He's consecrated to the Lord forever. Let's continue. We're going to then see. So he's brought to the temple. We know what's happening, and he's given, and he runs into this man. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was uh, righteous and devout. So he walked, it says he's righteous and devout. He was, he was dedicated to following God and doing everything that God asked of him, right? And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts where the parents were brought where the, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Now, I want you to imagine at this point, right? Like, you're like, okay, we brought Jesus. We're doing what the law requires of us. We're bringing him to the temple to consecrate him to the Lord. And this random dude walks over and takes your baby. Right? Like, how crazy would that be? Right? Like, if I just walked over and I was like, Gracie, come here. Right? And I just grabbed you and I was like, oh, look, it's grace. No? Yeah, that would be weird, right? You would feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I think the mom might feel a little uncomfortable. She's like, no, 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 like, no, no, like germs, germs, germs. Don't breathe on my baby. Like, this is a brand new baby. Jesus is, you know, a month old or, or between four and six weeks probably, and, and he's brought to the temple, and this guy, Simeon, grabs him into his arm and prays God, saying, you guys ready for it? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I've lived to the fullness of seeing Israel be restored. That's what he's saying. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Sovereign Lord, you have promised. Now, now if you imagine Simeon, he's so filled with the Holy Spirit. It, It says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit to give us this sense in which this is not Simeon's words. These are not the words that he prepares. There's this weird thing that happens, right? When I riff a song, when I'm just being goofy and singing with my kids and, and making up things as I go, 
five minutes later, I could not say what I said, right? Five minutes later, I don't remember what I said. I made beans rhyme with jeans, and I don't know how those two things related to the song, uh, but, but, you know, it was in the song, and so that's the song I sang. And so if you imagine Simeon, Simeon is holding this child and experiencing the fullness of God present with him to redeem the people. Jesus being brought to the temple and, and the things that pour out of Simeon's heart are not just random things. It says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all nations. If you go to Isaiah chapter 42, Verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you, and you will make, and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Prepared, going back to Luke, in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people of Israel if you look at Isaiah 49, chapter, verse 6, it says, it is, it is too small of a thing for you to be my servant, to restore just the tribes of Jacob I, and bring back those of Israel. I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See, Simeon's song is a song that proclaims that Jesus will be the the one who brings salvation to the ends of the earth, that it is a light, not just to restore the people of Israel, but a light to the Gentiles. And it's not a song, it's not a passage simply that talks about just something good and fun in the moment, but it's something that's deep-seated in the history and the tradition of the prophecy of the people of Israel. See, Jesus is brought into the temple as a way of demonstrating that he is going to be fully a part of the people of God, that he is fully subservient to the what God has called him to be. He is fully a part of the consecrated people of Israel and that he is the one who will redeem them. And so as he grows and as he becomes an adult and as he goes into his ministry to the people, he is not breaking down the law because he didn't live up to it. He's living out of the fullness of what God has brought to the people, out of the fullness of the consecration of the people of God. And he is living out this journey with God. The passage in Luke chapter 2 continues, and it says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon, like, like they marveled about it, but they already knew who Jesus was. But then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon goes from this 
person who's proclaiming over Jesus the salvation of all people and into an understanding that the hearts of all will be pierced, that, that her own soul, that Mary, will be destroyed by seeing Jesus and what he has to do for our salvation. It is a, a future proclamation that God is good, that he will reign forever, but that it will be hard, that it will be trying, that it will be challenging, that it will be difficult. And so we get invited into something similar. We get invited into a journey of exploring what God has for us. And as we enter into this new year, a lot of people like to make New Year's resolutions. And so you might find on your next steps that there's some things that you could do maybe as a New Year's resolution as we look to the work that Jesus does. Um, and, and one of those things was to reflect, to spend some time reflecting on what distracts us. Simeon. Simeon was devout. And he was paying attention to the Holy Spirit when it led him to the temple to receive and to experience Jesus. But I think sometimes in our lives we get really distracted by everything in the world around us. I know at Christmas time sometimes we start to think about the joy on our kids' faces more than we think about the joy of the most perfect gift ever. Sometimes we we reframe things and we get distracted from the real reason. Sometimes we're like kids and we are so excited to ride our brand new bike, but then we open Hot Wheels. And those are so fun too, but the best gift was the bike, but the Hot Wheels, but the baby dolls, but the, and we forget, we miss. We, we get distracted from the thing that is most meaningful, that is most important in our lives. We get distracted from God doing and working in us. And so I'd say maybe more important, like we, we, we do this in our lives too, right? There's a reason the number one New Year's resolution is to get healthy and to work out and to eat more, to eat, to eat more healthy food, to eat maybe less unhealthy food. Like, we've all just binged cookies, and we're like, oh, my body, right? And uh, that's just me. Okay, I get it. Um, I'm, I'm the one binging candy. It's, it's a thing in my family. My kids like candy, too. Uh, and we forget about the things that are important to us. And so people say, oh, I want to feel healthy. New Year's resolution, I want to feel healthy. Well, maybe our New Year's resolution has to be, I need to focus on where Jesus is leading me. I need to focus on allowing him to be present in my life. Um, maybe, maybe your New Year's resolution is, is that in all your hopes and all of your fears, like, you carry the burden of all of them. Like, you carry, you carry whether or not this is going well or this is going well or whether that thing is successful. Maybe we need to, like, allow God to carry our burdens. Uh, maybe you just need to rejoice and resolve that Jesus is the God who reigns forevermore. I love the Chris Tomlin song we sang, He Shall Reign, because it, it like perfectly encapsulates why, the why of Jesus and the implications forever, right? It said, here within the manger lies 
the one who made the starry skies, this baby born for sacrifice, Christ the Messiah. Into our hopes, into our fears, the Savior of the world appears. The promise of eternal years, Christ the Messiah. Christ the saving one. Christ, Savior, the one who brings salvation. Messiah, the one who is our Savior. Our Savior, the, the one who, who saves us from all of the things that hold us back. And he shall reign forevermore. Uh, Kent Hughes, a commentator on this passage, says, uh, True peace comes only when we, like Simeon, understand that salvation is Jesus Christ plus nothing and rest our souls in him alone. When our souls rest on Christ the Messiah, when we trust that he shall reign and we entrust our daily lives to allowing him to reign, allowing him to be the king, allowing him to guide us and lead us, not where we want to go, but for what is good for his people, for what is good for us, for how he's designed us and created us most perfectly to be. Not what he's designed and created somebody else to be, but what he's designed and created you specifically to be. And when we submit that to him, we allow him to reign forevermore and forevermore. So we're going to spend a few minutes reflecting. And if you, uh, we're going to receive the offering, and if you feel like this is a way that you can reflect and pray this, this week, this month, this year, I invite you to check those. And just as a sign of giving it over to God, just put it in the offering basket. Um, and as the band comes up to lead us in that song, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for the offering I'm going to pray that we would allow God to reign in our hearts and our lives forevermore, forevermore. God, would you move in our souls? Would you be like Simeon's song and overflow our hearts with what you have to proclaim for your people? God, would you allow our eyes to be focused on the things that bring you richness and life and joy to all people. God, would you allow us this morning to respond wholeheartedly to what you offer, to the salvation that you offer. God, would you allow us to recognize that you are good and that you reign forever and ever. Amen.